Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Daniel Gallen and Dustin Hoffman-Smith. Welcome into the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you once again by Penn State Health. Daniel Gallon's here with me. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. We are pre-holiday podcasting, catching up on the latest in Penn State football. And there's been a few items that have come out, and we're still waiting for the shoe to drop on a few other things as we lead up to the Outback Bowl. So we'll get you caught up on who's in, who's out, uh, the latest commitment that came in in the 2023 class, and so we'll do that in a minute. But, Daniel, I just wanted to kind of take your temperature on where things are uh, with bowl season in general. Like, I think this has been one of the more chaotic uh, signing day slash bowl lead up. You know, that that time has, has really gotten a little crazy this time around. But we are looking at some events and some teams coming down with COVID and what are, what are the expectations on, on your end as far as how wild this thing could get between now and, and when a lot of these teams play? Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting couple of weeks. Honestly, I was kind of surprised it took us this long. Uh, we're recording this Thursday, mm-hmm. yesterday, Wednesday, uh, Texas A&M dropped out of the Gator Bowl um, because of COVID cases within their program. And, uh, reportedly Rutgers is going to take their spot um, five and seven Rutgers against 10 and three Wake Forest at 11 a.m. on New Year's Eve. Just what just what the doctor ordered. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised it took kind of until like December 22nd before we heard about the college football program with these issues. We've seen college basketball uh, programs with issues. The Penn State men's basketball team has canceled its past two games. Uh, they're scheduled to play again on December 29th. You just kind of got to wait and see, uh, let this stuff run its course. Um, just kind of the idea that this is being treated like a one-off thing where it was, oh, Texas A&M is out of the Gator Bowl. Uh, we need to find one team to replace them. And it kind of just feels like that this is a one-for-one one swap, that everything else is going to be fine. That's kind of the the way that it kind of felt like it was being treated to me because I was like, they were like, Wake Forest needs an opponent. And part of me was like, well, I'm sure that in another day, there's going to be another team that's going to need an opponent. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to watch this this ripple effect because a lot of these teams that are on winter break or the, their seasons are over. I mean, Rutgers season has been over since they finished five and seven um, almost a month ago. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how this gets navigated. Bowls have kind of the the college programs have kind of the power to kind of do whatever they want. Uh, we just saw what the NFL <laughs> just did to kind of get uh, its games in. So it'll be interesting to see how they 
how they get these games in and kind of how these these teams manage it. A lot of these programs, the players went home for the holiday and then they're going to come back. Um, I think I saw like, I think it was Pitt where they're meeting in Atlanta. They're not all coming back to Pittsburgh. I mean, the majority of the team is flying out of Pittsburgh, but players who went home, it's kind of, okay, meet us in Atlanta, which is interesting given the way that kind of how things are spreading. So um, I think that it'll be interesting to see what happens when teams actually get to the bowl sites. I think that that'll be probably when, when things start happening, but fingers crossed it's the 23rd. I think hopefully we can white knuckle it to January 1st. Hopefully Penn state can, can get its bowl game in. We can enjoy a, a nice warm week down in Tampa. So many of us have been white knuckling everything for the better part of two years. And I think we've just gotten fresh reminders that, you know, nothing's over yet when it comes to uh, variants and and surges and and cases on teams and how how leagues and universities and and organizations handle all this. And you know, I really would. I'd be more surprised if there's not another major instance. Maybe it's another Texas A and M situation where a team has to shut down. Maybe it's you know, ten guys are out. You know, and and I'm really interested to see you know how this comes up in the college football playoff, which you know, you think about it, those three games, the semifinals and the finals, are the only ones that really carry that level of consequence with it. I'm not saying that all these games aren't important, bowl games aren't important, and they aren't meaningful experiences and all that. But in terms of determining something tangible, like a national champion, they have there, there are three games, and I suspect that there will be a lot more um, leeway in terms of moving back a day or two or whatever needs to be done to get those games played. But you you could see more of this over the next couple of weeks. So I would say buckle up and and get ready for the ride. Yeah. The impression I got from the uh, announcement that the college football playoff made yesterday about how they're navigating things is that it seems like there's not a lot of wiggle room for the semifinals, but for the national championship, obviously if they get there um, and there's two teams um, that are healthy, willing, able, they'll, they'll do what they can to get that game in. An interesting couple of weeks. Um, it kind of seemed like for a while, everyone was trying to make opt-outs the big story of bowl season instead of uh, the global pandemic, but we're back on that now. Yeah, no, nobody, uh, nobody undercuts the global pandemic. It will, it will keep coming back and getting, getting back into the headlines. Uh, speaking of opt-outs, let's look at where Penn State is right now. The couple big ones that really came out, Brandon Smith and Ellis Brooks, which if you heard James Franklin talk, I think on, on signing day, he said they were going to be without a couple big-time linebackers. So Brandon Smith opted out, and you sort of thought that Ellis Brooks would be doing the same. You know, I thought Ellis Brooks maybe had a little bit more incentive to come back and play one more time, but he he's going to bypass the Outback Bowl and, and gear up for the draft. And, you know, I don't – in both of these situations, I can't say I really blame them. I think, um, you know, they're, they're going to try to get down there. And for, like, Ellis Brooks, for example, you know, if he can shave, uh, I don't know – five hundredths of a second off his 40 time or something because he's starting his preparations early. That's probably going to help him a lot. So can't, can't blame these guys. It does. It does. Um, having two impact guys from the same position group does hurt. And there are going to be some, some guys who are going to have to step up and play those roles. Yeah. I think the big thing with Brooks skipping the bowl game is health. He, he mentioned that explicitly in his uh, announcement. Um, he showed up at that Iowa game with a cast uh, on his uh, right, right hand and, um, I think he played the rest of the season with at least a heavy wrap on that. So, you know, if you can get healthy at this point, that's what you got to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brandon Smith isn't really a surprise. That was kind of one that you were 
expecting to see when when a guy comes in as a five-star recruit, this is what you expect. You expect to have him for three years and then he goes on. That's the system working. That's things going the way that they're supposed to be going. Um, And then with Brooks, um, I think that it's kind of the thing where it's time. He's been in there for for five years. He plays a a physically demanding position um, in terms of the, the number of hits that he takes and dishes out. Both of them track a lot. And I think that it is an interesting dynamic with two starters from the same position leaving for a bowl game. I think that that's kind of where, where it's interesting. And it's kind of a, a, a fun little storyline for us right now. What do you think? And so, I mean, two names on the list for me for starters are um, hybrid guys. So Jesse Lucetta, I mean, do you think the, the luxury of him being able to come down and, and, and play defensive end goes away? You know, that's what last time we saw Alice Brooks miss a half. That's what happened. And then uh, Jonathan Sutherland, who you had seen him play in the box a lot, come down from that safety spot and play linebacker. I would anticipate a, a good chunk of the snaps um, from those two will go to Sutherland and Lucetta. Yeah, I think that it's going to be some some moving pieces there. Um, Lucetta said that he is going to play in the bowl game, even though he hasn't made a decision on if he'll come back for a fifth year. But I think that things will kind of shake out where Curtis Jacobs moves from that Sam linebacker position um, where he would sometimes be out in space, sometimes be out in coverage. He'll move from the Sam to Brandon Smith's spot at the will, which was the box linebacker. Jesse Lucetta will play in the middle. And then I think we'll see some Jonathan Sutherland um, at that Sam spot where I think Sutherland started there uh, against Rutgers when, when Jacobs was out with the flu. So I think we'll see Sutherland there and then maybe some, some Tyler Elsden. um, And then it'll be interesting to see um, how the two freshmen, Kobe King and Jamari Budden get rotated in uh, over the course of the game, because this is obviously a spot where you want to get those guys some experience because they played early and then I think that Penn State has kind of been saving their red shirts uh, down the stretch. And I think you look at this from, you know, the, the silver lining is if you're trying to get some kind of feel for what that position group looks like in 2022, you can get some more breadcrumbs in, in this situation. You can see what Kobe King, Tyler Elsden, uh, what they can do um, as young guys, Jamari Budden. Um, you also have that trio of Philadelphia linebackers coming in in the 2022 class that, I don't know, I mean, may, maybe one or two of them is capable of, of playing and burning their red shirt early. But this is this is a position group that will – I don't think you can avoid skewing young next year. Uh, mm-hmm. Freshman, red shirt freshman, maybe a sophomore type in there. So um, any little bit of information you can gather from the Outback Bowl I think could be good. Yeah, and even with Ellis Brooks in the middle of this year as a redshirt senior, it still did kind of ski young because Brandon Smith was a true junior, Curtis Jacobs is a true sophomore. And I mean, I think that kind of speaks to Penn State's ability to you know, to have Micah Parsons come in and be a three and out, more or less, you know, two and out really uh, type of player um, and kind of be able to develop talent right there. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Uh, one guy that we did learn was coming back for 2022, playing in the bowl game, Jair Brown. I suspected this is what he was going to do because 
You know, his his predecessor from Lackawanna College, Jaquan Brisker, had so much success in a similar situation. Uh, waited his turn, played minimal snaps in year one, took a big step forward in year two, and then sort of exploded onto the scene as a star in year three. Jair Brown looks like he can follow that trajectory, and I think um, it, it's big for the Penn State program to have him in this game. Uh, assuming, we don't know for sure what Jaquan Brisker is going to do just yet as we sit here, but... Assuming he's he sits out, Jair Brown is big for this game, and I think he's big for this defense and that position group in 2022 for sure. Definitely. I thought that Brown was a guy who down the stretch was starting to play himself into the NFL conversation. Um, he popped up in Mel Kuyper's uh, position rankings as I think the number six safety um, available, which I was kind of surprised to see him there. That was kind of um, an interesting subplot where I think that coming into the year, especially with Brisker coming back for a third year, you thought that Brown was very likely to come back for a third year. He was the big playmaker in the secondary. Um, I think he had 56 solo tackles this year, which was the most solo tackles on the team. Um, He led the team with four interceptions, which I think was the most uh, since 2018, maybe. It'd been a couple of years since someone had had that many interceptions. So he really showed a, a knack for the ball and I think he'll be a fun player to watch next year when he is the guy um, back there, when it's kind of his secondary, which with Brisker moving on, Treat Castro Fields moving on, um, suddenly, at least in terms of, I think, age, if not uh, Penn State experience, um, I think Joey Porter Jr. will be in his fourth year next year, but Brown will be like a fifth-year senior. Um, I think Brown will be kind of the, the veteran back there, and especially since that there are some some younger players who are going to be taking on bigger roles in the secondary next year. I I think that's really big for Penn state. Another position where you could see youth, maybe not necessarily starting alongside because you could have a Keaton Ellis join Jair Brown in the starting lineup. You could have Jalen Reed who came along and burn his red shirt contend for that starting job. But I think the two deep will be really interesting uh, because we, you'll have those two guys. You'll also have, you know, this group of, of, incoming recruits KJ Winston who's who is an outstanding true safety uh Christian Driver was announced as a safety who is a really instinctive player as you would expect being the son of Donald Driver uh Makai Flowers is a very dynamic athlete who could who could surge when he gets there so you could see maybe a, a true freshman um you could you could see um a lot of different scenarios play out at safety but I think having Jair Brown as that anchor around those guys is huge Yeah, especially given that Penn State lost two safeties in the transfer portal. Uh, Tyler Rudolph is is transferred to UMass and Enzo Jennings uh, is is in the portal. So that thins your depth right there. Obviously, having Flowers and Driver come in um, as safeties or as defensive backs helps that depth. And we've seen, especially with a guy like Keaton Ellis, where Penn State's willing to to move the pieces around um, a little bit back there. But I think next year how that too deep in the secondary plays out is going to be, it's going to be a really fun uh, competition. Um, I mean, off the top of my head right now, I think you're looking at Brown and then either Keaton Ellis or Jalen Reed as the starting safeties, Joey Porter Jr. And Kalen King as the starting corners. But after that, there's a lot of guys that are going to be fighting for playing time, fighting for reps and kind of making their cases for being onto the field. And one thing I think um, the Penn State staff has done, a really good job of doing is being able to assess and find those sweet spots where they have needs and also players can, can shift into positions that are better fit for their skills. And, you know, the last off season was, I thought an outstanding situation for them with what they did with Jesse Lucetta because they needed to 
what they did with Keaton Ellis because of kind of what where the needs were and where his skills were. There will be a guy or two on the move, and there it might come as a, a surprise or not. But they they do a, a good job of finessing their depth and making sure that they they've got the right bodies in the right places. So this offseason will be interesting as far as that goes too. Not to mention the transfer portal, and you know we we didn't mention Tyrese Mills, the Lackawanna College safety who, who did not sign in December, but says he plans to in February. He'd be another guy to throw into that mix of safety. Yeah, and I also forgot that Jonathan Sutherland could come back for a sixth year. So that's that's another <laughs> another dynamic there. It's, it's hard to keep track of, of all this roster yeah. management at this point. Especially looking at six-year guys because uh, that's not – I don't think that's all the way going to be, okay, player A, do you want to come back for your sixth year? We'll welcome you back. I think Penn State's going to have some crunching to do. And I don't think – I think – Guys who um, are able to use that COVID year, I don't think it's going to be automatic. But I think in the case of Jonathan Sutherland, if he wants to come back and anchor special teams and and be a good depth guy at both safety and linebacker, given where they're at with those things, I think they would welcome him back with open arms. Yeah, I mean he's he's a three time team captain, and he was he and Sean Clifford were the first three time team captains, and Sean Clifford looks like he's going to be a four time team captain. <laughs> so uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if Sutherland uh, is is welcomed back as well. One last note as we transition, and and uh, we'll still await a bunch of you know Jaquan Brisker, Jahan Dotson, and and some others in terms of their bowl Rashid Walker uh, announcement. Rashid Walker, um, you can kind of think and anticipate that probably we won't see those guys in in the bowl game, but you just never know. Uh, but those announcement uh, announcements will be coming up. We also had um, a commitment uh, from a few days ago, Joshua Miller in the 2023 class, the fifth commitment in the class. He's a three-star offensive lineman, looks like a better fit on the inside. He has got some big-time power in that 6'5", 320-pound frame of his. Uh, Nice-looking prospect for them and, and another another addition to the 23 class that looks like it's capable of following up uh, that 22 class and being a very, very good situation for Penn State. Yeah, I wrote about it a little bit this week, but one thing that stands out to you so far is the size that, that Penn State is putting together. Um, Joshua Miller is 6'5", 320. Uh, Alex Birchmeyer, the five-star interior offensive lineman from Virginia, uh, is, I think, 6'5", 275. And then uh, Mega Barnwell, the tight end from Virginia, depending on where you look, 6'5", 250, 6'5", 265. And remains to be seen whether he'll play tight end or tackle at the next level. So that's something definitely something interesting to watch. Um, I mean, it is kind of interesting when you look at how Penn State has been recruiting the offensive line. They need one of those top tier tackles um, on the edge. Um, I think that you kind of saw it from Rashid Walker. Caden Wallace struggled, and there's some talk that guard might be his his better position. Um, and then in the class coming in, Drew Shelton and Malik McNeil obviously need a little bit of time, uh, especially Malik McNeil. Um, and JV Nelson might be more of might be another guy who's more of an interior type alignment. But I mean, I think that it just kind of goes to show that it's hard to find good tackles. It's hard to recruit those good tackles and, and get them to come. And especially where it seems like edge rushers are, are better than ever at all levels of football. So it'll be interesting to watch kind of how this class comes together after the class of 2022 signed. A lot of the questions that I got from our subscribers were kind of, well, what about the offensive line? Did they sign enough offensive linemen Are any of these offensive linemen going to contribute? So I think that that'll be an interesting kind of, storyline to watch um given how that unit was 
the struggles were, were pretty glaring uh, down the stretch and in the running game for the entire season uh, this year. Quantity of offensive linemen is, is a question, uh, but it hasn't been very often that Penn State has, has signed two true blue chippers in the same class, uh, whether that's interior or, or tackles. Um, the last one I can remember, and it didn't pan out because you had Rasheed Walker in the 2018 class and Nana Asidu, who was a very talented, um, high upside guy from Virginia who had to retire medically with a heart condition. So, you know, could they string together another blue chipper or two? And that's nothing against your Malik McNeils and your J.B. Nelsons and, and a guy like Joshua Miller. But, you know, there's upside and there's polish and they, they haven't really gotten guys who have that the right mix of both. You know, they have they they have gotten a bunch of guys who are developmental and look like they could transform into something, but you could use another Drew Shelton type to go with Drew Shelton. You could use another guy in the same tier as Birchmeyer, and that would really kind of ease Penn State's concerns because you know, you can say all you want that you develop guys. I think Penn State fans would like to see them at a at a get a head start in development when those guys sign in the first place. Yeah, and I think when you look at some of these uh, offensive linemen that are coming in, um, it really kind of puts Phil Troutline uh, in the spotlight over this over these next two years about whether he can develop these guys, whether he can get you know get them to that next level. And I think the offensive line competition will be interesting next year. Um, my answer to a lot of uh, readers who were were asking about whether these incoming freshmen can can they contribute, I would say, well, I think you need to look at the guys that are true freshmen and redshirt freshmen on the roster right now, just given how the developmental curve is physically and in terms of technique, in terms of 2022, the names to know, obviously JV Nelson will be one because he's coming in as a Juco guy, but Drew Shelton and Malik McNeil aren't necessarily the names to focus on next year. You'll focus on Landon Tangwall, golden Israel, Achumba, the other guy I'm blanking on right now, Olu Fashanu. Uh, those are the those are the types of guys, guys who are already on the roster, guys who are, are already in the program. It's going to be their turn to kind of take the leap. And I think that's just kind of a, a function of how the offensive line works and making that leap from going up against, I don't know, 240-pound, 230-pound uh, defensive tackles in high school to 300-pounders in the Big Ten. A couple other names there too, Sal Wormley, who got hurt, and Nick Dawkins. Yep. I mean, that that tier of player next year is kind of that that time where um, it's time to move up the depth chart. And and hopefully, you know, in Penn State's case, they get one or two of them who, who can make that move and probably go a long way towards easing concerns about depth there. So as Daniel Gallon, I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown, pre-holiday edition. Make sure you get uh, ho- enjoy your holiday. Don't don't pay too much attention to the transfer portal or bowl opt-outs or opt-ins. There will be a time and a place for that. And the place will be penlab.com slash Penn State football. Uh, follow Daniel on Twitter. He'll he'll have his laptop and his microphone everywhere he goes all holiday weekend in the next week before they leave for uh, the bowl game at Daniel JT Gallon. Uh, check us out, uh, the Blue White Breakdown. We record a bunch of times every week, all of us. Uh, you can find it on Alexa, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and on YouTube as well. Thanks for tuning in. Happy holidays, and we'll see you next time on the Blue White Breakdown. This is the Blue White Breakdown.